0: Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who've transformed their lives since 2016 and are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, and generally stepping outside of their comfort zones. I hope their stories will inspire you to take action on your own. Head on over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. This week I'm speaking with Katie Paris of Red Wine and Blue, an Ohio-based group that's harnessing the political power of suburban women to save democracy while having a good time. Politics, fun, and festive cocktails usually don't go together, but Red Wine and Blue is lightening up the conversation for women who don't consider themselves political, but also don't want Trump to define them, thank you very much. We talk about how the path to victory runs through suburbia, the power of personal networks, and the joy we find in our communities. Finally, Katie lets us know how we can join in on the fun. Now, here's my conversation with Katie Paris. Katie Paris, welcome to New Faces of Democracy. I'm so happy to be here. So Katie, you started the group Red Wine and Blue. Tell us about it. What exactly is it and why did you start it? Well, Red Wine and
1: Blue, I mean, look, clearly we're in it for the country here. It's all about the red, white, and blue. We got to save democracy here. But we also believe that we can have a good time while we do that. That's what women do. We get together over a glass of wine and we talk about our issues, figure out our problems, and we help each other out and we get through it. And that's what we need to do right now as women in this country. So as you know, I live in Ohio. That's where I'm reporting from right now. And I moved here about eight years ago from DC. But when I moved here, I actually continued my work. I've worked in national politics my whole career, and I continued to do that. I was working remotely, and I thought I had it pretty good. I did have it pretty good. I was continuing my career in national politics, but just as my husband and I intended, we moved here. We started our family, and I have two young boys now. So we we're raising our family in the suburbs. And then, but continuing to have my kind of DC national politics career, but it was really after 2016 broke all of our hearts. This country broke our heart, but it was really 2018 where Ohio broke my heart. And I just began to be concerned about the direction of our state and the role that Ohio was or wasn't going to play in the 2020 election. So for folks who may not have all the deets on this, Trump won Ohio by eight points in 2016. And 2018 is what really broke my heart, though, because we saw this sort of bounce back across the country of Democrats picking up all these governor seats, flipping 43 seats in the House of Representatives. 38 of those were suburban districts. And we just didn't have at that federal or statewide level a turnaround here in Ohio. And I just thought, man, I thought I'd move to this really interesting purple state, but it feels like we're moving towards being more of like a red state. And that's not what I want for my kids. That's not what I hope for for my community. We really have a very extreme state legislature here. And so I just thought, having had the career I've had working in advocacy, politics, communications, media, to be here in Ohio and seeing things headed the wrong direction and not sort of think about What can I do to help turn this around? I began to think, I remember saying in those few days after the 2018 election to my husband, like, I think I might need to make a change here. I might need to focus closer to home. So that was the beginning of it. But then, Nancy, when I saw the first thing I do, I come from a researcher background. I want to see the data. I want to know. I'm not just going to say, okay, I want to help. I wanted to be strategic. And so I got knee deep in data and it became very clear That there is a path back for Ohio, but that the suburbs were going to be critical to that path, that the suburbs in Ohio were gonna be the battleground in 2020. And we all know what's going on with the ladies. Women are leading, that if we were gonna see the change that we needed to in the suburbs, it was gonna be because of suburban women. So I live in the suburbs, I live in Ohio. Once I saw that, I thought, all right, I can't unsee this data. I have to help try to move suburban women. So that's how I got here.
0: So on your website, your tagline is not political, no problem. In fact, that's perfect. Tell me what you mean by that. Since, I mean, your content is primarily political, who exactly are you trying to reach?
1: We are trying to engage women in politics who may not have traditionally engaged in politics. So yeah, we're all about talking about what's going on on the issues we care about, focusing on voting, and trying to get women engaged in this stuff. But We have found that if you do that in a polarizing way, you are ending the conversation before it even starts with so many of the women that we need to be with us. Look, politics, just in general, there's a negative stigma, not just among suburban women. I mean, it's just American politics. There's so much money in politics. There's so much negativity. It can be so toxic. So I get that. I understand that. But that means we need to do some counter-programming here. And we need to be able to engage with people who don't identify as super political, who don't identify as political activists. Because if that's what we do, we are leaving most people out. And so what we have tried to do is create content that meets people where they are, that starts with how are people feeling? What's going on in their lives? What's stressing them out? And we use a lot of humor in our content. We talk a lot about those concerns and those stresses. So it's been a lot about the schools lately. So much, of course, about this pandemic and just getting through it. And we find that if we meet people where we are, we can then get where we want to go together a lot easier.
0: And where do these conversations take place? In a number of ways. Facebook,
1: I mean, oh, Facebook, Zuckerberg, geez, you know, just like a necessary evil, unfortunately, of today. It's a very good place to organize people. We have a website, of course, but in terms of the real engagement online, it is in our private Facebook groups. So we have one just for Ohio women, and then we have another one that's actually national because, oh my Lord, when the president started tweeting about, quote unquote, suburban housewives and treating our demographic like these brainless 1950s women that don't exist anymore, it was just too much of an opportunity to seize the moment. And we now run... A private Facebook group called Suburban Housewives Against Trump that I think probably has like 125,000 women in it. So, a lot of this is, and we take a lot of care in these Facebook groups. We moderate them, we curate them, we really try to make sure that they are healthy, strong places where people actually want to go to get support and feel energized. Because we believe that it's actually really hard to get people to do something, even if they feel kind of like they want to, if they don't feel supported. And so it starts with creating that sense of community. So we do it in that way. And we also engage women. Our whole thing is we believe that your voices really matter. And we also believe that your networks really matter. A lot of these women who haven't been engaged in politics previously, and that's just been so true of so many women across the country and of our demographic in particular, so many of our women. And honestly, once I saw the data, the next thing I did was just started meeting women across the state. And what I kept hearing over and over again was finding all of these women who were never engaged in politics before 2016, but that woke them up. They had wished they'd done more and they don't want to feel that way again, after this, come this November. So they have formed these local grassroots groups of other women who were engaged in politics previously, but they didn't know about each other and they knew they could be more strategic than they were and they wanted to be effective. So another way that we give these women to do that, to tap their networks is not just through social media, but also we women live on our smartphones. I mean, we're texting each other, organizing stuff all day, whether it's children's activities or coordinating whatever in our communities and in our lives. And so we also use an app, it's called Outvote that you can download and use our campaign code. You just spell uncork into your phone. And You get right into the red, wine, and blue environment on this app where we are delivering messaging for you, for your texts, and fun video content that you can use to encourage your friends to request their absentee ballot, make sure that if they're going to vote in person, that they're going to do it early and have the information they need about that. And also inform them about who's on the ballot besides Biden and Trump, because we have a lot of really important elections no matter where you are, but certainly true in Ohio, our state legislature, our state Supreme Court, with competitive congressional races. And Ohio seems to have also really gotten the memo about the importance of running women. So our women are really energized by that. There's more women on the ballot in Ohio this year in 2020 than there's ever been in the history of our state. So we are using that to energize women
0: as well. So you've got 125,000 plus women. Men do? Not so much on the
1: men. <laughs> We're really focusing on women as the change makers. The gender gap in politics has never been bigger than it is today. Women are really leading the way on this. It didn't used to be that when the suburbs are really anywhere that you could see a difference in public opinion consistently based on gender. But it's just never been the case as much as it is today. I mean, Joe Biden, we had three polls that are out yesterday. I'm not huge on any individual poll, but I look at them for trends. Biden was up in all three of them. And Hillary Clinton won women in Ohio by three points in 2016. Joe Biden is up by, depending on the poll, you're looking at 10 to 14 points with women. And by a similar margin, double digits with suburban women or college-educated white women. There's a lot of different ways of looking at these demographics. But Trump won those white college-educated women in Ohio, resoundingly so, in 2016. And he is losing them worse now than he won them.
0: So speaking of demographics, so your group, Suburban, obviously. What else? I mean, have they all been Democrats? Are they sort of swing voters? Do you have any people who used to be Republicans?
1: All of the above, actually. It speaks directly to our theory of the case, actually. So I was so interested when I started meeting these women who hadn't been involved in politics previously, because again, not only did I think their voices were important and potentially very impactful because of their reach to other women who maybe haven't been engaged in politics previously, but also because of their networks to basically reach beyond the choir. Their networks are not politically polarized. They haven't been doing politics that long. Also, many of these places are traditionally Republican areas. They're sort of these red to blue, purple part areas of our state. Ohio has it all. They say the whole country is reflected in Ohio. And it's very true. We've really got it all in Ohio. So many of these women live in these types of areas. And so their social networks have that political diversity within them. And we are not here to try to convert those hardcore Trump voters. That is not a good use of time and energy, or frankly, emotional and psychological (laughs) expense. But so many of these women in these networks just aren't that political. It's just they got other things going on in their lives. That's true in any demographic. And so what we have tried to do is to tap in and empower these newly engaged women so that they can have the confidence and that sense of community support that they need to have so that they can reach out to that one circle further of women who just aren't paying that much attention. But if you reach out to them in the right way, in, in a different way, we believe that's not so traditionally political, kind of with a little bit more of the way that we're trying to do it, that we might be able to get to those women. So yeah, we have a lot of former Republicans in our network, and they are so welcome. I mean, the women who have been Democrats for a long time are thrilled when they learn of former Republicans in their midst, because it tells them that things are changing. We have to have that change occur to have the outcomes that we want. And then the women who are newer to this or feel like it's just such a give and take. It's actually very lovely of people kind of learning from each other and being inspired by each other. And I think that that mix and getting a little bit out of traditional silos is great for community building. It's good for inspiration. And people just feel like it's a little bit maybe of a different space.
0: Yeah, I love the community aspect. I mean, I picked up on some of that by watching some of your Facebook stuff, your videos and your talks. And I just want to talk about that for a second. So did this kind of community exist before for many of these women? Or is this sort of a newfound political arena they hadn't been in? I mean, I know many of them weren't political, but even the ones who were more engaged.
1: Truly, my original inspiration were these women who woke up after the 2016 election and thought, oh my gosh, what happened? I need to do more. What do I do? And so they called a few friends who they thought might feel the same way because they were feeling kind of isolated, many of them in more traditionally conservative communities and got together. Usually the story is either in some, like a friend's living room over wine or in a Panera. Honestly, it's like those (laughs) things I always hear. Anyway, they get together, have wine and then end up what happened almost every time is that these women said, "Okay, well, let's invite a few more women next time, and then, hey, let's create a Facebook group. Let's keep it secret though, like just so it's private and we can have these conversations and feel safe and these groups all grew from like a handful of women to I think they're all between two hundred and a thousand women now, and these are just within individual suburbs or small suburban areas. So that's a lot of women actually engaging in a real way, so That was my original inspiration was seeing it on that very hyper local scale, but they didn't know about each other, even in the same regions of the state. And so I thought, what if they shared ideas? What if they connected? I bet they'd really gain energy from each other. And on top of that, let's implement a really strategic program that recognizes the unique value they bring, because I would hear from them we are not sure that we can get many women in our network to commit to canvassing for five hours every Saturday. Like everybody's got young kids. That's going to be hard, but they want to do something. They do. And then we went to a college campus and we registered voters, but everyone looked at us like we had two heads because I'm 48 and my friend's 52. And like, what are you ladies doing on our campus? And they're just like, is this really the best use for us? And so they were interested in finding ways that could tap into more of their unique value. And I just... To me, it was so clear that we could do something very different here. And by having this friend-to-friend texting program where we're really asking them to use the social capital you have. And we know, I mean, research tells us that outreach to a voter from someone that you know, as opposed to a stranger, is studies show anywhere from like four to 24 times more effective. So it's really trying to empower women to recognize that power that they do have to influence and giving them the confidence to exercise that influence.
0: And are you hearing any stories about women who, now that they've found this confidence, maybe it's spilling over into other aspects of their lives? Do you get any feedback from them?
1: This is such a hard time in many ways. A lot of women actually talk about how difficult this terrain actually can be. And it tends not to be the conversations with the women who just aren't that political. The obstacle is more just like getting their attention and they generally get pretty positive feedback because of the approach with which we're doing it. The difficulty and the pain comes within family and friend groups where there really is just more of a divide. I mean, I think Nancy, you and I probably feel like this isn't just an election, like so much is at stake in terms of people's lives, people we care about, for our country, for our democracy. Like This is big on so many levels. And so when someone you care about and is close to you sees it in a polar opposite way, there's pain. There can be loss. So we talk about that and navigating that and making choices and creating boundaries so that you are going to be able to have the energy that you need to get through the next 40, however many days it is in terms of your engagement in this election while managing everything else in your life, being a mom and everything else. So it ends up impacting marriages and friendships and everything else. That is all part of this beautiful mess, isn't it?
0: But I love that you have this supportive network, that you're not ignoring that element of people's lives because there's spillover. I mean, we all have it. And nobody's path is
1: exactly the same. I mean, it might be for one woman like, these friends are not bringing joy into my life. And meanwhile, so many women have found friendships. Through this. I mean, it's so cool with these local groups of women that I found. I remember early on when I was first starting to meet these women early last year. And I would be like, So how long have you guys known each other? Like thinking some of them must have known each other since college. They had such a camaraderie. And they were all like, Oh, no, no, no. None of us knew each other before the 2016 election.
0: Nothing has brought us together like Trump. It's a sisterhood. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Trump, for that one thing and that one thing only. Exactly. So you talked about how you make this fun. It is so fun. I highly encourage people to go to your website, to look at your Facebook page, to look at the content you post, but maybe you can describe that a little bit. I mean, I love the branding. We talked about this already, but this sort of very tongue in cheek, housewife graphics, vintage looking housewife, and always lots and lots of wine.
1: Your festive beverage of choice. It's really, the wine is a metaphor, truly.
0: You can bring a margarita.
1: Who really like wine? Margarita's fine. A non-alcoholic spritzer is also acceptable. So you're asking about the whole health life thing. I mean
0: that, and also just I'd love for you to describe to people all the different things you do in terms of creating content because it is really fun. It makes you giggle.
1: We create original content every week, and we crowdsource it both from our team, which is there's about ten or twelve of us now on the team, but. We have these Facebook groups and these broader networks and women within each of the local groups. And so we're constantly texting people, hey, do you want to be in this new video? Can you do this? We've got to do this, do this. We give people instructions for how to make high quality video on their phone and we put it all together. So this week, the one we're putting out, I think today, is responding to the fact that Trump was in Ohio on Monday night. And once again, he just turned up the volume on this ridiculous refrain about how, Hey, suburban housewives. Oh, except he says now, Oh, I'm not supposed to call them housewives. Suburban women. Oh, thanks, buddy. That makes it so much better. Suburban women, you should be very afraid. If Joe Biden gets elected, he's going to destroy your suburbs. He's going to send Cory Booker after them. So this is a reference to he's saying like, there's gonna be low income housing. Of course, the racist dog whistle here is like, so loud. It's just racism. And suburban women are rejecting that. I mean, they do not believe that Joe Biden is going to destroy our suburbs because that's nonsense. And anyway, so he came to Ohio. He was doing this fear-mongering about Cory Booker coming to the suburbs this week. The NRA got in on the game as well this week. And were are saying how women should be really scared because Beto is going to come to our doors and take our AR-15s. So here we have both... Cory Booker and Beto O'Rourke being threatened by Trump and the NRA that they're going to come and get us suburban women. And basically, the resounding response from my women has been,
0: (laughs) woo-hoo! Come to my
1: house. We're we're coming to the suburbs, ladies. So that's what our video is about this week. It just shows women kind of eye-rolling in response to what Trump is saying, and then everybody getting dressed up, putting on their makeup, because we're so excited. So we are here to flip the frame. We are here to say, you may try to define us as these brainless suburban housewives. We are suburban women of America. We reject you. These are our values. We think that your response to the pandemic has been miserable. We completely disagree with you on racial justice. Everything else, we're very out there and open with what we believe. And we just want to make sure that we are the ones defining who we are, and certainly not letting this president do it. So that's just one example this week. We've got something like that going every week. And then in addition to that, we do two or three Facebook Lives every week. With big people, big names. I mean, some of them have been really exciting, and we, have, we haven't even announced yet, but we do have some even... We've got more big names coming out. I got to interview Heather Cox Richardson recently. She's kind of my idol. Your feelings are shared by many women in our network. So that was super exciting. I mean, I think like 150,000 people watched it from her page, 25,000 from our page, I think, which is a lot. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like, it's hard for me to go to bed that night. I'm still so excited. And we really try to make these interviews not policy talks. Like, she didn't come on with us and give her typical amazing. She does these video lectures essentially that are very academic, giving the political history of a given topic. And we all love that content, but we wanted to get to know her. And so the interview was about that, and she shared hilarious stories with us, and we got to know her as a person.
0: That was so fun.
1: Yeah. And so we do that with candidates as well. Connie Schultz, who's the wife of Senator Sherrod Brown, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, has come on with us. And we have just wanted to create, with these conversations, a platform both for candidates and other political figures and other just people but with platforms that we care about to give them a way to reach beyond their traditional political activist circles and also an opportunity for women to be able to hear from these folks in ways that they might not traditionally, because we are not doing stump speeches in these conversations. That is just like not on the menu at all.
0: (laughs) That's great. It's very hard to get some politicians off their stump speeches, so kudos to you for doing that. We send them instructions in advance. And that's the only thing I bold and underline in my emails. Have three
1: glasses of wine first. (laughs) I always have wine during the conversations. It's not required, but it is
0: recommended. Helps. So let's talk about Ohio for a minute and sort of big picture stuff. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the state of play for Democrats there. People love to say, as goes Ohio, so goes the nation. Is that still the case? I mean, from the perspective of a total outsider like me, a quote, coastal elite, it seems to be turning more and more red. And the pundits almost seem to have given up on it. But what's your take?
1: The pundits starting to give up on Ohio in 2018 was a huge motivator for me to do the opposite. Not only did I think that that was poor strategic long-term thinking to write off the bellwether of all bellwether states after a couple cycles where we didn't get the result we wanted, which by the way, in 2018, Sherrod Brown, our amazing senator did still win here by over seven points. And we did pick up seats in our state legislature, all suburban districts, six of them here. And that stuff just isn't known or set aside because we didn't get all the outcomes we wanted. And certainly not all the outcomes I wanted. But again, I thought that this is not long-term strategic thinking. We need to be able to win in places like Ohio and also frankly i took it personally i'm raising my kids here which you shouldn't leave us out to dry but it was only when i saw the data making it very clear that if we could increase the support in the suburbs there's absolutely a path to victory for democrats in ohio african american turnout in ohio in 2018 was the highest of anywhere in the midwest black voters are doing more than their part, as usual. Us white ladies in the suburbs, it's our time to step up and do our part too. And by the way, the suburbs are much more diverse than white women. I hope it goes without saying, but I always want to say that. But it is these white women who we need to move. And so I'm so happy to see that movement happening because it's going to take all of us in Ohio to pull this off. But the polls look really good here. Biden is leading In the polls. There were three polls out yesterday, actually. Biden was already up by an average of about two and a half points, but he was up in all three polls yesterday by five in one, up by one or two points in the other. But it's those numbers underneath that are so encouraging to me. It's just so clear that women are driving this. I mean, he's up by double digits among suburban women and among women. So they say, so goes Ohio, so goes the country for a reason. No Republican has ever, ever won the presidency without Ohio, no Democrat has won it. Since 1960, without Ohio. So we have a lot of electoral votes, 18. And we also are a state. Vote by mail is way up here compared to other states in the Midwest, way up on where we were in 2016. It's disproportionately favoring Democrats, of course, who are doing vote by mail. We have a 30 day early vote window. We have been a no excuse absentee voting state for a while. So people know how to do that here. We don't have to learn something new. So all of these things are going to work to our advantage in terms of getting an outcome and hopefully the outcome we hope for. But I think things might be shifting. I think there's going to be more attention on Ohio in the next four or five weeks. And I hope that's true because this is the state is winnable.
0: That's amazing news. and Of course, there's a presidential election. And you mentioned other important races in the state that you're educating women about. What are some of those? And do you think I know your state legislature is has a Republican supermajority.
1: So the opportunity at the local level this year is to break the Republican supermajority in the state house. We have a real opportunity to do that. We just have to pick up two more seats. So we're very focused on the pickups that happened in 2018 in the suburbs, protecting those and getting a couple more. We've got suburban moms running in these districts. So our women are fired up to help these women get into office. And We also have this big corruption scandal going down that actually forced the Republican Speaker of the House to step down a few months ago. It was this big bribery scandal where an energy company, the plan was to jack up all of our rates. And this got passed basically because they bribed the Republicans to do so. So that's a bad look. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic, actually, that that supermajority will get broken and we might get well past that. We also are focused on picking up state Senate seats and but there's also something else really important happening here with the state Supreme Court. Democrats actually picked up two state Supreme Court seats in 2018, which is another like unknown, untold (laughs) victory that did happen in Ohio in 2018. If we pick up two more in 2020, that'll break the Republican majority on the state Supreme Court. And I think that there's sort of like people don't really know what the state Supreme Court does. It impacts like every issue in our lives, even at that more local level, but most directly in Ohio in 2021, we're redrawing our lines. We're the worst gerrymandered state in the country. And if the state Supreme Court has this representation on it, our chances of getting actually fair lines, I mean, they are crazy in Ohio. The gerrymandering, the lines are insane here. So having that strong Supreme Court will make a big difference. We'll actually get better lines. And then we also have competitive congressional seats, and every single competitive congressional seat in Ohio is being contested by a woman. So we are really fired up about those candidates as well. So we're targeting for congressional races as well. All told, we're focused on about 16 races. We have women making videos every day saying suburban mom from wherever, maybe she's a former Republican, saying that why she's making the choice to support whatever local candidate. And we have seen in other states in recent cycles, there's something called reverse coattails, where you can really have this positive impact of engaging people in local politics that can actually filter up to impact the top of the ticket. And we see that happening in Ohio. A lot of these sort of less political people, maybe they don't like Trump, but it just all seems so polarizing. And they just don't want I don't want Trump on my TV. I don't want to talk about him. I get it. But if you talk to them about a local race and, hey, did you hear about this mom? Her kids go to whatever school and you know it. That's not polarizing. That's a way to engage people and make it feel like it impacts their lives. So that's why we talk about local races and also because substantively these offices do make a huge difference in our lives.
0: Of course. So your network on Red, Wine, and Blue knows what boxes to check when they're in the ballot or on their absentee ballot or whatever. You're giving them all the information. So on the day they vote, they know what state Supreme Court judge to pick, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this is all a conversation that leads up to that. Right now it means we're creating fun interview type content with candidates and these grassroots endorsements of like moms talking about why they're supporting whoever candidate. And we're asking women to share this with women in their network. And the ask is basically, hey, introduce your friends to Crystal Lett, introduce your friends to Monique Smith, introduce your friends to Jennifer Bruner, who's running for state Supreme Court. And normally, if they were being asked to like share something produced by one of the traditional political institutions, that would be like, I'm not sharing that. My friends don't want that. But with our content, if it's going to make you smile, if it's going to always make you think as well. but just be something that you'd actually want to share with a friend. We find in terms of social media engagement, as well as our texting program, that people are much more likely to do so. And ultimately, all that leads to knowing, yeah, it's people want to know who to vote for. But starting that conversation in a way and with content that people are actually into consuming
0: helps. I mean, you live in Ohio. You are a suburban woman. You have your finger on the pulse. You were there in 2016. Does it feel different now? It does.
1: But I also have to admit that I was doing national politics in 2016. I was really focused on the national scene, on the media narrative happening in U.S. politics. And we moved here in 2012. I was still commuting back and forth. So I didn't have my finger on the pulse in Ohio in 2016. I'm not going to pretend I did. There's many parts of the state I'd never even been to. But boy, do I feel like I do now. I just feel so lucky. Like, not only just like the joy of these relationships I've met, I mean, these women are like, they're just the greatest, like, new best friends, but also I can genuinely speak to what is going on in different parts of the state and what women are thinking about, what they're concerned about. And thank God for the women on our team. That's my most immediate focus group. But then we have all these Facebook groups where we are constantly, hey, let's test this out, see what ladies think about this, about this we know that we're going to be on the mark because we're right there with thousands of women all the time. And when I worked in DC or even after I moved here, but I was still attached to DC, we spend a lot of time in DC trying to figure out what the women I'm actually talking to every day are thinking. And so I just love that. I love that connection and being able to align what I do professionally with what I care about personally in terms of the place I'm raising my kids is just a really cool thing. And it's actually new for me.
0: I love that. So what are your plans for Red, Wine & Blue in the future? I feel like you could have this in other states. I mean, find people to do it. I can think of so many states right on the edge.
1: Well, it's all about building on the grassroots energy that's already there among these women. That's the magic to it, for sure. But this magic exists out there among women across the country. So I've been asked this a lot from the beginning. And so we've been big on sharing resources. We actually have something called the Girl's Guide to the Wine-Fueled Rebellion, where we share best practices from women who have started these groups across the state. But we took over this Facebook page founded by a mom who lives not far from many of our women that has become this national Facebook group of Suburban Housewives against Trump. Its highest concentration is in Ohio, but it is national. And we did that because this is just too important of an election, too important of a moment with Trump making such a deal out of Suburban Housewives and Suburban women. We have been pushing back against that narrative, owning that narrative, defining for ourselves who we are for over a year now. And when we saw the opportunity to take that on a larger scale, We took it. And I do think that suburban women, no matter what happens in this election, God willing, Biden is elected president. But going forward from there to heal our democracy, to make the progress that we so desperately need on healthcare, on racial justice, everything else we care about and that needs to heal. Suburban women are going to need to be a part of this coalition moving forward. We can't just check out.
0: So that ongoing engagement, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I think we're here for it. So last question, for those of us outside of Ohio, I wish I lived in Ohio so I could be part of your group, but what else can we do to help? How can we help you? So you
1: absolutely can be a part of Suburban Housewives Against Trump, our national Facebook group. We're having these Facebook Live conversations in there all week long. We are engaging women. It is an incredible community, supportive community of women to be a part of. You can also download our app. We have Ohio-specific content that only goes to Ohio users. But so much of what we do is just meant to empower, inform, and educate suburban women and equip you to do that, to be the guide for other women in your network. So you can download the app called Outvote. That's one word, Outvote, in your, any app store. And then you go and put in a campaign code and just spell uncork on your phone, and you will be put into red, wine, and blue. You can sync your contacts. You'll see all the actions. Share this on social media. Text this out to friends. And you are then a part of our community of suburban women taking action nationwide. So we've now got, we've expanded well beyond Ohio with that. So
0: join us. Great. And what about money? Do you need money? How are you guys funded?
1: I've been raising all the money myself, Nancy. Thank you so much for asking. (laughs) This has been a new adventure for me. We are about 90% of the way there on our budget, but we've got about five weeks left and this is the most important time and we'll be spending the most money on digital ads on organizing, fueling this final, final push. And everything we do is highly targeted exactly to who we need to have with us that, and it all seems to be, everything's moving our direction, but we have to be more present than ever in in these next coming weeks. So redwine.blue is our website and we are accepting donations to get (laughs) us to that final place. And we really do need to close this final gap. So individuals have supported us thus far, research donations as well. And money's gotta meet mission.
0: Well, Katie Paris, thank you so much for joining me. I loved hearing about what you're doing. It's super inspiring. And for helping me I thank you. When we win, I'm gonna credit you. (laughs) Oh Lord. Credit all the women, including
1: you. So thank you. Thanks, Nancy.
0: Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum, and in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook.